Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast on Love to the Chat. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Uh, going to talk about all things going on with the Cavs right now. Uh, things couldn't be better. And to break it down, we do not have Carter Rodriguez, who is being a Fairweather fan right now and, and not available to record. So we got the man, the myth, the legend, Ryan Morton, to help break things down. Mort, how you doing, man? I'm good. Um, I'm just learning that Carter will not be here. Which is fine. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I woke I, up. I woke I, up from a nap, and you had requested to pod with me. Mm-hmm. And I should have known if you had told me right then that Carter would not be on, I would have known that things were going poorly. I had no idea um, what had happened while I was asleep. But see, this is known, this is really the the opposite of what's going on with the Cavs right now because. The Cavs just lost their second best player, and now you got the the third string option here with Isaiah Thomas needing to step up. It, it's really reverse here. Carter's kind of the IT of the podcast, and you're like Kevin Love coming back from injury to to rescue everything. Carter's like the that's too mean. Actually, I won't say it. So yeah, <laughs> yay, go Carter! Yay. Um, no, I like him. He's very nice. But he should still be here. He should Isaiah still Thomas be here. But check for a doctor's note. <laughs> <laughs> it is going to check for a doctor's note. Unfortunately, uh, Kevin Love has a valid excuse uh, for sitting out. He has broken his left hand and will be out six to eight weeks, which is pretty much exactly what this team needed right now. Um, I, I think. We, you and I both were kind of expecting that maybe this was going to be a letdown game against the Pistons with them missing all of their guys. Um, but it, it just seemed like the, the Cavs actually were starting to get some momentum, and then they went to the locker room and, and learned of what happened to Love. Yeah, I would like to die. Um, <laughs> you know, and you, and you could see it coming. As soon as the Pistons traded for Blake Griffin, you know, you think of all the recent Cavs. And they lose to the Lakers with like the Lakers didn't even have enough uh, players eligible to play. They lose to the Grizzlies, who only had nine players that night. And Lance Stevenson, I think, had been signed for like three days. Yeah, I remember um, that one. Yeah, nothing. A few things were more Cavs than them finding a way to lose tonight. Unfortunately, they have a pretty valid reason. Uh, Kevin Love is easily the second best player on the team. I know that's hopefully not a shock to a lot of people, but. Um, yeah, man. I mean, this <laughs> little guy, man, little man Twitter is going to be very upset with that take. You know, um, and I just don't know. Like the Cavs have nothing, and this has been my thing for a few years because it is a frequent topic on whether or not Kevin Love should be traded. They don't have anyone that duplicates one of his skills. Like Tristan's not rebounding like he used to. Um, so, I mean, they're not even duplicating his rebounding. Normally, you had Tristan Thompson to, to pick up some of that slack, at least. But, you know, they don't have anyone that shoots as well. Uh, Corver, if he were to get touches, but he doesn't. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, he's probably their best shooter, most consistent shooter. Yeah, I he's... feel like the uh, the Tristan and Jay Crowder tandem uh, starting is going to... I don't think there's going to be a lot of patience for that. Like, there, there's just no uh, shooting there. Crowder might actually provide less spacing than Tristan just because Tristan can pull a big out of the paint when he's setting screens and stuff. Uh, but uh, Crowder's just been ignored for most of this season. And he doesn't rebound. Like, the beauty of the Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love partnership is, you know, you, you can't – you need to double Tristan on the boards. But you can't do that because Kevin Love's also a great rebounder. Or he has your other big out to the three-point line. Or whatever small player you're guarding him with is going to get posted up. Right. You know, the uh, someone had posted uh, some screen caps from Synergy, and it's stuff we already know. But, you know, Kevin Love is uh, 95th percentile in spot-up shooting, or it might have been 94. I'm fudging a percent. doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> he's, you know, 80, I think, plus in post-up scoring. And uh, he's also very good. I don't remember the third stat. It might have been pick and roll as a roll man, which he's historically been really bad at. Mm-hmm. But he's doing good this year. But still, I mean, his top three offensive traits were all – uh, things that the offense relies on and things that you're not getting from anybody. Like, you're not getting anything from Isaiah Thomas right now. You're not getting anything from Jay Crowder. He's never he's, he's one of two reliable players on this team. And and with LeBron kind of struggling since his birthday, um, he, he's one of the few reliable guys. Although he, he's been neglected recently with the way that Isaiah Thomas is playing. And one of the, the, yes. one of the more comical takes that I saw – uh, tonight and I, I've seen people on Twitter. Uh, I've seen. I think Kevin Pelton uh, mentioned it as well on uh, just his quick reaction to the love injury, and, and that was that Isaiah Thomas might be able to find a rhythm now. He, he's going to be able to get shots up, and and he is <laughs> he has not been shy to take shots at all. Um, what shots has he not been getting? Yeah, he he's kind of taken them all and. Uh, tonight's game was kind of funny because LeBron was I, I felt he was inspired in the first half I know you said you slept through most of it um, the Cavs often sleep through first half of games so I, I think you're you're excused there um, but when he came out in the second half like he, he just kind of seemed like a broken man and especially in the fourth quarter when Isaiah Thomas checked back in he was just kind of like looking around and being like man this is going to suck because <laughs> I, I guess suck man I guess I I guess the one positive here is that we know that Kevin Love isn't going to get traded and for anyone that's really followed this team over the past few years I, I know we always want to upgrade and we always think that the the solutions around the corner with another trade but Love is just he he hasn't gotten the credit that he deserves over his tenure with this team and if you want any further positive, I, I guess the other thing would be with it being an injury to his hand, he can at least keep his conditioning up and he can stay in shape. It is in his shooting hand. Um, so while this is going to put the Cavs in a really tough position and unless something unforeseen happens next week at the deadline, I, I think it's safe to say that they're probably going to fall down the standings a little bit. Oh, for sure. And um, yeah, I don't even know. I don't remember which was it his left hand. Yeah, it's his left hand. Oh, okay. So that's not incredibly terrible. Um, so yeah, I mean, they probably... Cavs Celtics round uh, one. <laughs> well, if the Heat win tomorrow, the Cavs fall to fourth, which is fine. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Standings, it doesn't, you know, if you have a championship caliber team, it doesn't really matter where you go in. You, you need to be able to win anywhere. Um, and 
my thing is if you lose because you didn't have home court advantage, you weren't going to win a title anyway. No. Uh, that, that might not be true, but that's what I believe. And I mean, you can work all year for home court advantage and then lose it in game one. Like, I, right. I, I don't think it's a big deal, especially because LeBron almost always wins a, a road game. And you, you look at the East, like, that's the thing. As bad as things are for the Cavs, you you feel okay about them coming out of the East because the biggest threat is probably Toronto, who who's had their number, but uh, obviously this is a different team without Kyrie. Uh, and then Boston, who, who just can't score. Like, the, their second-best player just is not effective against the Cavs, and they're relying on two very young guys. As good as the Celtics are as an overall team, um, it, it, they're, they're just not someone that's like, okay, the Cavs have to be playing at the super, super high level if they're going to get by them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Toronto's in this state. But Kevin Love's supposed to come back. I think it's like two weeks left in the regular season or two games left in the regular season. Ugh. And, yeah, we'll know more, I guess, tomorrow. Um, at least it's before, you know, it's before the All-Star break, which is extended. So you have a little more time built in there where you're not playing games because the games are going to be terrible to watch. Holy crap. Um, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Like, I can't even it's be I didn't watch dress. I'm going to be honest with you. So I woke up and I looked at the score and I was like, Oh, dope. They're actually winning at halftime. I thought they were going to lose. Uh, did a quick scroll, saw the Kevin Love news. I never turned the game on. I had no desire <laughs> to see it. Um, so we're we're getting some in depth game breakdown of uh, what went wrong tonight from you. Yeah, um, you know, oh, well, I guess that that's not true. I, I turned it on for like four seconds because my TV is already on FSO, and I yeah, I mean it was. Like, and you avoided it like the plague, just changed like channel. Like one twelve to one hundred two, it was like eh, Isaiah Thomas threw up some crazy shot that got carried away by the wind, and I've <laughs> gone about my day. Um, but, I mean, looking at the Cavs, like, I don't know where. Obviously, you're going to play Channing Fry a lot. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of uh, have to play him out of necessity at this you point. You know, who do you trade? Like, I thought Anthony Tolliver would be a great trade target. If the Pistons are traded, you know, obviously they've already traded for. They, they If they have Blake Griffin, they don't need to get rid of Anthony Tolliver. He actually, I think, fits really well um, with Griffin or with Drummond. Yeah, I, I, I like him a lot as a third big in that situation. Right. So that takes Anthony Tolliver off the board. He's someone I really, you know, cause I think the Cavs need to look for guys if they're going to trade for somebody. Uh, they don't need another Jay Crowder, you know, and I don't mean that in as, as a slight to Jay, but I think one of the problems is he's a guy that has gotten his 14, 15 shots, similar to people talking about trading for Avery Bradley. You right. know, you, you take guys that are average on 15 shots and you give them nine, and that's really hard. It's it's hard to be effective in nine shots. And that's where guys like Channy and Kyle um, are really impressive in that they have a rhythm and they barely touch and shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. And that's so that's the guys like Garrett Temple, Anthony Tolliver, um, the, guys the, like that. The James Jones trait, you know? Yeah. You know, I mean, you need someone that, that can do something for you in less than 10 shots. And they already need to be doing it. The last thing they need, or, or well, maybe not for now, because you need someone that's going to pick up that slack. But in general, the last thing they need is someone that, you know, is average over a lot of attempts. Mm-hmm. Because when you take those attempts away, they're not going to be average anymore. That, that's, you know, that's never how it works. 
Yeah, and um, and I don't think you you want to bank on someone that's going to turn it around. Like I, I saw Nick Batum thrown out there a lot, and I mean he makes way. I mean if they won't if they won't take George Hill's money, so rule all that out. <laughs> so and, and I guess this is a decent segue. And so, Danilo George Gallinari was the other one that I saw. Yeah, the George Hill trade allegedly fell apart because if LeBron leaves. They want to buy George Hill out next year. They only want him on the roster after the season if LeBron is gone. Right. And they want to buy out and save money, which is dumb to ask for up front. It's stupid. Um, it made me think of, you know, the Cavs as they have been under their current ownership, all in when LeBron's here and they have a chance to win a title, all in on saving money and tearing down the roster in other years if they were to go in that direction, if that is true. Right. And it reminded me a lot of the Florida Marlins, um, <laughs> which I think is a decent – I mean, my mind went right to it. So maybe other people think that, maybe not. And, of course, it hasn't happened yet, and Dan's, you know – My, my mind never goes to baseball. I, I can promise you that. Yeah. Um, well – Mine only goes because, I mean, I know like three baseball owners, and that's one of them because of how – and that's what he does. They'd go all in, try to win a title, and then strip everything down and just make all the money they could. And I hope the Cavs don't do that. But the George Hills news suggests that they want to move in that direction. So keeping that in mind, no Nick Batum, no Danilo Gallinari, no um, – probably not Nikola Mirotic if he won't approve his trade from the Bulls without his option being picked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so what do you have? I don't know. <laughs> uh, pro- probably not a lot of great options. Um, I was a little worried there when you said my mind only goes to baseball when um, I, I thought you <laughs> might take it in a different direction. Yeah, I, there's there's really not a lot of great options. Um, I, I think maybe exploring what the market is for Kemba Walker or something. Um, but I, I'm assuming that they're going to want too much for him. Uh, Michael Jordan coming out there and saying that, oh, yeah, we're only trading him if there's like a Kawhi Leonard available. And I'm sure a lot of that is public posturing, um, but there just doesn't seem to be a deal that's available. And to me, the, the George Hill thing is funny because it, it it's almost like the, the Cavs were afraid to take on that risk and once again wanted it to, to be, oh, well, we were scared of what LeBron is going to do or, or what he isn't going to do uh, next year. So we're, we're not going to do this. And it, it's just funny to me that they're, they're basically asking him to reduce the amount of guaranteed money he had on his contract for next year and being like, if LeBron stays, we're, we're definitely going to pay you that. But if he doesn't, we, we want to buy you out. And um, it's certainly understandable why Hill would want absolutely no part of that. Because I get, I guarantee you, if he's reduced the amount of guaranteed money on his contract and he gets hurt at some point next season, um, the Cavs are going to find a way to be ruthless in that situation. I mean, every team is, and it's their right, you know. And that's that's where it's like, man, never never let teams take a dime from you unless you already have a situation you're happy with lined up, right? Because, and same for the teams. I mean, I, you know, the teams should do everything they can do um, to maximize their leverage over the players. Because that's part of running a business and, you know, much like your own life, the players should always be looking out for them and themselves only. Um, Yeah, I agree. You know, especially in regards to money. I mean, on the floor, no. But, you know, in regards to money, like, always always look out for yourself. George Hill's over 30. It's not fair to ask him to take a pay cut. Mm -hmm. Nikola Miritich, you know, he earned his right to 
approve or deny a trade because I saw people blowing him up like, oh, he wants out and now he doesn't want to take this trade. Well, no, because he's earned the right to approve his his trade contingent on his $12.5 million being picked up. And isn't he like 29 or something? Like, come on. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he's a bit up there in age. And, and like, that was a big topic, too, with the, the whole Blake Griffin trade. It was like, well, the, the Clippers uh, had this big ceremony for him. They raised his number up in the rafters, told him he was going to be Mr. Clipper. That uh, is crappy. That's pretty I, crappy. Well, I, it is it is really crappy, and and that sucks. But then at the same time, he also used the Suns as leverage to get a fifth year, and that fifth year was instead of a no trade clause. So he he had some control over his situation. It, he was well within his rights to get that money. It's funny to me that the the Clippers are are brought up by some people as okay. Well, now uh, LeBron has an option to go to L.A. without it being run by Magic Johnson. And as as head of the players' union, I I don't think he's too thrilled with how they handled Blake Griffin, and also just the logistics of it are a mess. Um, Mark Spears talked about it. Uh, he had a column up on the Undefeated today saying how uh, if they waive Beverly and um, Teradosic, uh, um, they they'd be able to clear up twenty seven million, which isn't even the full LeBron price tag, so he, he's not taking a pay cut. And there, there isn't a second star there, so I, I don't, I don't think that uh, the Clippers are a realistic landing spot for LeBron if he does choose to leave. Yeah, and I don't, you know, and obviously don't bleed too much for Blake Griffin because he's getting his money. Yeah, but you know, if uh, in the future, kind of back to the same thing, like you're not guaranteed, you know, oh, retire with us forever, and then they trade you four months in, like mm-hmm. I, I think that harms your negotiating position a lot in the future. And you only get to play heartstrings negotiating tactics so many times. And here we are. Yeah. They, they um, kind of shot their shot there. Like that, that was the first franchise player that that franchise has ever really had. And um, I, I think there's going to be some repercussions there. It does lead to a very hilarious scenario. If Detroit does sneak into the playoffs here, uh, especially if they go up against Boston, because Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin for against a team that can't rebound uh, oh, would, would be pretty hilarious. I, I know Detroit absolutely gutted their team. Uh, didn't look like it against this Cavs god awful defense, um, but that aspect alone is going to to make up for some of the uh, the shortcomings of the Pistons roster. I think it'll be pretty dope. Yeah, I mean, Andre Drummond's been passing so well, and. I don't know. Blake Griffin's awesome. I don't mm-hmm. understand why. I don't understand why people don't like it for Detroit. Like in our markets, Midwest cities, like you can't tank for yeah. a long period of time. Like you can, but it's not very feasible in a lot of instances. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to make money. It's still a business. Blake Griffin will get you forty-five wins in the playoffs in the East, most likely with Andre Drummond. So. What's yeah, and, and people point out that Andre Drummond, like, he isn't DeAndre Jordan defensively, which I think DeAndre Jordan's been overrated defensively for a minute now. He's only 23 or yeah, 24. Yeah, he, he's super young, and, like, look, look, his stat line tonight's ridiculous. Like, I know you didn't watch the game, but 21 points, 22 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 steals, 3 blocks. Like, that that's one hell of a player there. Like he's he's more dynamic than Jordan was offensively, even though he is limited. Good God, he he's a he's a hell of a player, and um, I, I think it's it's 
I, I think it's a smart gamble for the Pistons. I, I get where they're coming from. Uh, th- they're really going to have to navigate uh, really carefully moving forward. Like it, it's going to be tough to put a good supporting cast because they're not going to have uh, space for free agents and free agents wouldn't be going there anyways. Um, but I, I think if you have at least two cornerstones, you're further ahead than most teams that have all this theoretical potential and space and, and things like that, that almost never works out. So how Van Gundy manages that situation is going to be interesting to me. If Luke Kennard is any good and he's been pretty good, um, shout out to an Ohio boy, by the way, Luke mm-hmm. Kennard. Um, if he's any good, you know, I mean, Stanley Johnson has obviously on offense, didn't look like it tonight. I saw that he had like 26 points. Yeah, um, of course. But, yeah, Stanley Johnson has, has shown offensive limitations, but he's been a great defender. You know, I mean, if Luke Kennard's good, you have four stable players at four, and two good wings. Mm-hmm. And now you're, you know, see what's up with Reggie Jackson, find a point guard. You can find point guards. There's, I mean, the market's flooded with point guards. You can get passable play from uh, people on, on pretty decent deals. So... Mm-hmm. What is the the market's flooded with point guards, and yet Dwayne Wade is the only effective one we have on our roster. Well, yeah, and I mean, I can I mean I consider him a point guard when he signed. You know, he's oh I did too. To you know, yeah, and point guard's an easy position to mitigate a lack of shooting. She can just put run pick and rolls all day, right? Um, But I still like this whole time I'm trying to been think. You know, the Cavs need to find a forward, right? They they cannot go through the next two months with only Channing and Tristan. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can't even think of anybody on the market that... Yeah, like, that, is there a target? Like, if you're doing your dream scenario, um, you, you can choose to keep it realistic or you can go out there. Um, what, what, what are you kind of hoping for in the next week? Um, that's a great question. My... And I guess it depends on their ethos. So the guys, the, the three guys that I had thought of that would fit all of what the Cavs seem to be trying to do were Anthony Tolliver, Garrett Temple, and Troy Daniels. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're guys that already don't get the ball very much. Temple is focused on defense. Troy Daniels is the, hey, I don't really care. We're not trying to play defense anyway. <laughs> Let's get some shots up. Um, but now that they need a four... I mean, Miritich is obviously obtainable. But but and, do you target a four? Like, because you know that Kevin Love is coming back prior to playoffs. Um, like, there's I think bigger they needs. A four anyway. Like, that's why I wanted Tala. Like, they needed a four anyway. Like, really? I don't know. Well, I, I think so. Because Tristan, and he's been playing better. But my approach to this is that you need to be ready to not be able to play Tristan. Right. Uh, I, I yeah I don't necessarily agree, but then aren't you talking about getting a center? Because I don't think that Kevin Love at center like that didn't work even when things were going well for the Cavs. So to me, like you're either getting a center or you're you're if you're going all in a, at Love at center, then you need to improve your your perimeter defense because they just allow penetration so easily. So to me, that either improving at the guard positions or center was always kind of the area of focus. So that's why I just find it a little interesting that you're saying power forward. Um, yeah, and I mean, I don't know. And maybe Jay Crowder improves because, mm-hmm. you know, Jay Crowder has been 
up until now, they're starting power forward. Right. And I, yeah, and I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm I'm just kind of curious for for the rationale because there there I, there's so many holes with the Cavs right now that yeah. I I don't think there is a wrong answer for where they need to improve. Like this team yeah. just needs to add talent. If the best talent available for the assets they have is that small forward, then you move LeBron over to power forward. Like just get the most talent that you can because this team has a lot of holes. Yeah, and that's where, you know, again, Tolliver, he plays four, he plays three. Um, I enjoyed that. Uh, Dwayne Dedman, I mean, he only makes $6 million, I'm pretty sure. He wouldn't be a bad yet. He can shoot a little bit, probably shoots too much. But, yeah, Dwayne Dedman probably fits their criteria. Mm-hmm. But uh, can you play him with Tristan or with Channing? Probably not. No. So. Well, I, I could see him playing with Fry. Like, that, that could theoretically work because – Deadman is he kind kind of spaced the floor and he is a good defensive player. Um, yeah, like Atlanta would be an interesting trade partner because they're obviously tearing everything down. So if you can find some way uh, to take the Baysmore contract off their hands and and you get Deadman there as well, um, it, it's not an ideal move, but it is one that I, I think would help out this team. Yeah, yeah, Dwayne Deadman probably makes the most sense. I think a giving and, and that's given that the Cavs have shown no willingness to have salary for next season because right. they're terrified that they've really screwed the pooch here or they don't care that they, I mean, there's, there might be a chance that, you know, there are parties that want to be seen as the, I held the line against LeBron guy. Um, and I hope <laughs> that's not the case, but it wouldn't be incredibly shocking. I don't think. So did you read the bleacher report article today? Uh, unfortunately, Okay, so I, I do feel like we need to talk about this. I, I wish we had oh, you on, on a, at a more fun time. Uh, this is this is an ideal, but uh, yeah. So basically, long and short of it is everything is a mess with the Cavaliers. Um, not a whole lot of new information. Like we had already heard a lot of rumblings that Dan Gilbert was the one making the decisions instead of Kobe Altman, and that Altman was kind of operating as a bit of a figurehead. Um, that. I mean, that was always kind of assumed uh, if David Griffin was still there, he would he'd be the one making the decisions. And, and that was part of the decision making there. Uh, Dan Gilbert, close friends with Isaiah Thomas, their their text buddies, which which is really great, especially if the team like the, the players on the roster are annoyed and don't like Isaiah Thomas and LeBron and Gilbert don't really like each other, and and, and Gilbert and Thomas like each other. And I, I just like the doomsday scenario of LeBron leaving this summer and Dan Gilbert deciding to br- build around IT had popped into my head, and I was... It, oh, my God. Yeah, I, I don't know if you went to that dark place in your head. Yeah, yeah no, I did. And that's, I mean, that's the first thing. So you can, uh. But then it still doesn't make sense as to why you wouldn't – because if you're going to build around IT, that means you're giving him $150 million at least, like mm-hmm. 125 So why wouldn't – you know, George Hill's contract should be decently easy to move next year. It's basically an expiring. Only $3 million are guaranteed for the third year. I, I feel like if LeBron leaves, they're going to blow it up, which is Which is what terrible. they should do, but – well, I don't think they should, and here's why. And, and, I mean, from a basketball and trying to get picks reason, they probably should. But, like, how do you build your brand? And that's that's where they, again, they become the Marlins. 
So say LeBron leaves and they find a way to dump JR and they dump Tristan and they dump Kevin Love. What is your brand connection to the team that won the title? You chased off the GM. You chased off the point guard. You chased off LeBron. You dumped all the other parts. You know, Channing will I, – I can't imagine Channing being back. He's expiring. Yeah. You've already traded RJ. Like, you know, you're, you're in this window and you need to build a connection to your team and you're just dumping everyone who – is responsible for the greatest Cavaliers team ever. Like immediately, like Richard Jefferson is a legend and you dumped him in favor of guys that can't even play. Like, come on, man. I, and I'm biased in this, but I wouldn't keep Derek Rose. And, well, yeah. Instead uh, of Richard Jefferson, like, you know, he, he, hmm. yeah, he, I, you I can't build a brand mm-hmm. doing what they're doing. And obviously they've already got a brand built, but I, I just think it's really dumb and it doesn't build a lasting connection to, you know, to anything. Like you're not known for anything. You dump all these guys. They go off and do other things. The 2016 title is a blip and you've moved on from everyone and everything. You don't have a reason, you know, Austin Carr, Campy Russell, those guys come back and, you know, they're part of the story, history of the team for life. Like why do that if you've only, you were only there for three years? Like it, makes no sense to me to just tear everything down and dump all these guys because LeBron is gone. Yeah, I, 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 I get that sentiment, but at the same time, like what, what's the alternative? Like you're building around Kevin Love. Cause uh, from a national perspective, like I, I don't think people even consider that like a, a connection to 2016 title, which is completely unfair to him and, and kind of goes to the discussion of the last the discussion of the last week that like love just hasn't gotten the recognition that uh, he deserves. And, and I get what you're saying. Who cares? Like that's, that's the connection of the fan base. But um, like it, it basically your argument to me sounds like an outside perception thing. Cause I think the, the connection of that 2016 team is just always going to be there with the, the fan base. And I, I don't, it already I, feels like it's not. Well, uh, that's that's kind of my point is that you kind of have to restart. And I mean, obviously, I'm I'm biased because I, I want the things to go well for the Cavs and, and I, I want R.J. Barrett if things aren't working out. But, um, yeah, I, I I don't know, man. And and it's so tough, too, because you, you don't know where that Brooklyn pick's going to land. Um, I, I think as long as it's in the top six, you, you're getting a pretty damn good prospect this year. Um, and, and who knows if it jumps up, but man, like there, there's just so many unknowns. And, and if, if Kyrie and love were both here still, I, I would be okay with that. And I think you could build around them, but I, I don't want any part in pain. Isaiah Thomas, like that's just not something that's attractive to me. And I don't know if Kevin love is going to be bringing in players. Um, I, I think you could still make a playoff team with that roster, um, obviously you'd have to make a lot of changes to the supporting cast and, and whether or not they'd be able to would kind of be the unknown there. But, um, I, I just don't know if it's worth it to, to be that kind of treadmill team, that, that perennial seven through nine seed. So, I mean, keep, keep Kevin and suck then like, you know, not blowing it up doesn't necessarily mean you'll be good, but trying to be as bad as possible is like, I get why. You know, if you're not, but doesn't he first, deserve better than that? You should be last. Um, I don't know. I mean, he got a title. Like, what? Yeah. You know, you're getting paid. You got a title. You're, you know, what does Dirk deserve? 
it's kind of is what it is. Um, and sometimes to enjoy the glory days, you have to enjoy the crappy days. Yeah. But like the whole, I don't know. I just don't think it's feasible and it's kind of annoying to me and I completely understand why. And I do it in 2k, you know, if you're not great, get all the pitch you can tank, try to build some massive powerhouse, but in practical application, it leads to a cycle of really unenjoyable, um, fast, like, you know, like, can you enjoy just being good? Like, what's wrong with being good? Like, you know, just enjoy having something fun to watch as opposed to, well, LeBron's gone. We're not going to be competing for a title. So yeah. And every good player go away. To to be clear, if they did go that direction, it wouldn't be the end of the world. I I would hope that they they would find a way to to improve the roster and and that they they can get some success around Kevin Love. I I still don't think LeBron is leaving just because um, I I think that it's hard to envision what a different situation would be. I think he likes having control uh, over the organization to some extent, although it's kind of clear... That's kind of cloudy now uh, with all the talk about uh, how Dan Gilbert's running the team. So who knows what's really going on there. But there just isn't a great basketball situation available. And I I, I think the, the one thing that people can take comfort in is if he was to leave this summer, the only situation he could go to. Uh, or the only situations that he could go to where he would actually be putting himself in a better position to win would likely be as a result of a sign and trade. So you may end up getting something for him after all, and, and that might help the team with whatever life is after LeBron. I, I wouldn't hold it against him if he did decide to leave. Um, but right now, it, I'm I'm not one of those people that thinks it, it's 100% that he's gone. Yeah, I mean, who knows with that guy? You know, I mean, the way he was talking this summer where all he's concerned about is what his kids do and stuff like that, that could be believable, you know? Yeah. Um, Ronnie's at that age where he'd be going to St. V. I could see LeBron wanting him at St. V. Mm -hmm. So, but who knows? I mean, nobody knows. The people that say that it's – dude's one of the biggest weirdos on the planet and is – has always been on his own planet. So, um, Yeah. I gave up trying to predict LeBron in 2010. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I don't think I don't think even he knows what he's going to do. It, let, let alone uh, the, the daily or weekly takes from uh, who the talking head of the day. Like, um, I, I just don't think that anybody really knows what he's going to do, and his focus is probably on this season. This this next week is going to be interesting, man. There, there's just as I said, there's so many holes. Whether or not they they decide to keep it or if they flip them, uh, that's that's the most interesting thing to me. Do do you think I, there's a realistic chance that he gets moved? Not after today, and up until when I I read. Well, I mean, Kay Felder got moved, and Dan loved Kay Felder. Um, and I know that sounds funny, but legitimately, the only reason that Kay Felder was even picked, drafted by the Cavs, and and dude paid two point five million dollars, is because. He really liked Kay Felder from his his home state, right? Um, and and I, I get the argument that oh god, now the Cavs really need star power, but Isaiah Thomas is nowhere near being that player yet. Yeah, yeah he, and and maybe he will be at some point, but I mean this is miserable. And and Kyrie struggled as well integrating from his broken kneecap, but holy crap, man! Like I don't, I just don't see where the same upside is with a guy that's five nine. 
and, and and the biggest problem with Isaiah is that when for him to be effective with how bad he is defensively, because he is the worst defensive player in the league, and how limited he is as a playmaker, he needs to be scoring on almost every possession. And when you're sharing the court with LeBron, like you just can't justify having the ball in your hands that often. Like his usage rate shouldn't be higher than LeBron's. And yeah. I, I just don't think that he can be an effective player when he isn't taking that many shots. So when Isaiah is saying, well, you traded for me, you knew what you were getting, I, I think that's absolutely fair. But I, I, I think... We didn't know what we were getting, bro, the Nets pick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure he views it that way, um, regardless of how the organization feels. But I, I, I think that's a fair sentiment. And to, like, to his credit, he, he is who he is. It, it is what it is. But I, I just don't think he can be a cornerstone piece of a championship team if he's playing that way. He can play that way as a sixth man and with the second unit. Um, but I, I don't think he can be successful and, and harmonious alongside two other stars, which is what you need in today's game. Right. And I mean, and in his defense, why should he be? You know, he's he's in a contract year. That's another part of the struggle that you've brought upon yourself. You have a dude in a contract year that is trying to get paid. You know, he doesn't have the same luxuries that Kevin does to take eight shots and know that his $125 million is already in the bank. <laughs> you got a guy that's never gotten a big money contract before in the 20s of millions of dollars that needs to get to a point where someone's going to offer him $120-plus million. Um, and those desires don't run the same direction that the Cavs need. Like, he needs to – take a ton of shots to show that he can get paid. The Cavs need him to take not so many shots and pass the ball. Um, they don't have the same interests right now, and it's not Isaiah's fault that they don't. I would be trying to get paid as well, but that's another problem. You have guys trying to get their next contract, and you need guys to sacrifice, and it's hard to ask. Um, yeah, and, and I, I that's, that's part of, like, I think that everyone's aware of that because, like, even the beat guys <laughs> – it's funny to see how they cover Isaiah because there's almost the, the same reaction to how they dealt with David Blatt, where it's like this guy just has a different idea of what he needs to be doing in this locker room. And we really want like no, it, it's rubbing everybody the wrong way. Um, yeah, I, I, um, it's crazy. Like the Jason Lloyd interview the other day is one of the most contentious things I've ever seen in the Cavs being covered. Probably Dion Waiters being asked about the anthem is the only other thing that has been more awkward for me to watch. Um, yeah, and, and like Waiters at least was a once-in-a-generation talent, so you you can kind of stomach that. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it's just weird. Like, you know, the, the players are clearly frustrate, clearly venting frustrations to the beat guys. There's another, uh, another guy on the beat that I just kind of scrolled through his timeline – or clicked on a tweet and I saw his responses to a few other people that intimated that they're being told some things off the record. Um, and that frustration is coming through in the questions that they're asking the players, which, you know, I saw a lot of people take issue. Oh, this question's out of line. I don't know, man. I mean, it's just a question, you know? Yeah. He's he all, all summer and all year up to this point, it's the slow grind and, you know, you're dropping Instagram comments about handling people's light work and, oh, we're about to do this, we're about to do that. 
okay, well now you gotta, you know, you're gonna get some some pretty tough questions when you're not fitting in, and maybe that's a little unfair, but it doesn't have to be fair, you know. It's it's not a out of line question. It's just very direct. <laughs> and hey, I was told this. How do you feel about that? And he doesn't mind sharing his feelings about everything else. He'll tell you, you know, I mean, that Bleacher Report article about how the team totally screwed up this and the team screwed up that and they didn't tell us this. And this guy doesn't, you know, he tells you everything that's wrong with what the team's doing, what management's doing, what the other players are doing. Why Why is that question out of line when he's so willing to talk about everybody else's problems? The, the pivot from Isaiah is absolutely hilarious because he, he went from saying – Oh, we we need to communicate better. We need to trust each other. Uh, this locker room isn't right. Uh, there's all these issues. We need accountability on defense. And then as, as soon as people start asking him about it, he's like, "Hey, hey, hey! Everything's fine in the locker room. Uh, we all trust one another on this team. Why why are you asking me these questions? Uh, did you see how good I was last year?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's that's where it is. And that's where I don't think that question's out of line at all. Like, you know, you got to take both, man. And part of pumping yourself up all the time which is perfectly fine to do is you got to get punched in the mouth sometimes um and the way he's playing he needs to be willing to get punched in the mouth with some pretty tough questions mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate and hopefully he improves but saying that's out of line is crazy to me given how everything else has gone down um but I would really enjoy if he got to do his rehab stint in like Orlando or something. Like <laughs> I think my dream scenario. I was going to ask you what's your, what's your dream scenario for Isaiah. My dream scenario for Isaiah is that he's traded for Jonathan Simmons. Um, the Magic just needs. Jesus Christ! Like the, I hate that. I, just I hate that. I'd be slightly happy with that. The Magic just need to sell some tickets. You move Isaiah. Get Jonathan Simmons. It's Orlando. You might get Elf Payton out of him as well, who I don't necessarily want unless he cuts his hair because I think it's screwing up his balance. Um, I mean, we saw that shot when they played the Cavs. His hair blocked his own shot. That's insane. That was amazing. Um, But, yeah, I think Jonathan Simmons is exactly what they need. And it's a terrible sign that I'd be willing to give up maybe the best player in the trade for Kyrie Irving. But, yeah, right now what I would do is trade Isaiah Thomas for Jonathan Simmons or you trade someone else for Jonathan Simmons and you start Dwayne Wade at point guard. Um, And D. Wade, Simmons, LeBron, you know, Crowder and Tristan or Crowder and Fry maybe. I, I don't know how the hell you figure out your power forward spot for the next two months. My my dream scenario for Isaiah would be trading him to Brooklyn for Dinwiddie. Like, well, that's, I mean, that's a dream. Yeah, they're not gonna. Spencer <laughs> Dinwiddie makes like one point three million dollars, <laughs> and he's the only thing they got. I mean, he, he still has Nets fans. For the love of God, Nets Daily has been warring, and I don't want to say warring, but um, intermittently peppering me with and. In fairness, it's in response to me mocking whatever they're talking about. Um, hashtag Danny New. And oh my God! Yeah, how sad is that? So they quoted <laughs> me. They quoted me and said, "Look, the Nets only have the sixth worst record in the NBA." Hashtag Danny New. <laughs> okay, 
Like, why are you blowing up Danny Ainge? He robbed you morons. Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, he, he, he robbed <laughs> – one, he robbed them. Two, the difference between the Nets right now and the worst record in the league because they're, they're three games ahead of the Orlando Magic is the three game winners Dinwiddie hit last month. Right. Those shots don't go down. They have the worst record in the league. And everyone that was praising the Nets this season, it was, oh, D'Angelo Russell, what a great pickup. Uh, like that, Ja Okafor. Yeah. Ja Okafor's coming back soon. Don't J- worry. Jer- Jer- Jeremy Lin and uh, D'Angelo Russell are, are going to turn this thing around. Like, nobody saw it coming this way. Damari Carroll turned from a corpse to maybe he's the one that stole Jay Crowder's powers. Like, who, who knows what the hell happened there? There you uh, go, Jake, and that's that's a great example. Damari Carroll gets more shots, and he's fine, but when he goes to Toronto and he can only get eight shots a game, he complains the entire time, and in his defense, he was injured, but that's the perfect example of a guy that goes from average to bad once you take his shots away. Yeah, some uh, guys are rhythm shooters, and, and they need those J.R. Smith? Yeah. J.R. doesn't get his 12 shots a night. And I think he should get his twelve shots tonight. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's a plus side. Like everyone's talking about getting Isaiah going, but I mean he's just going to shoot every time he touches the ball. Maybe J.R. Smith uh, gets his rhythm when he has a bit bigger of a role. Yeah, J.R. Smith shoots the ball. J.R. Smith plays defense, but he, you need to have him shoot the ball first, and it shouldn't work that way. Uh, but it does. It has. That's how it's always been with him. He <laughs> yeah. starts... You just kind of have to accept that. <laughs> and I mean, Kevin's kind of the same way when you get him involved in all. And, and a lot of players are the same way. I mean, I was the same way. Yeah. You know, like I'm getting the ball on offense. I'm more involved in the defensive effort so I can get the ball back. It's not the best way to play the game, but I think <laughs> it's a natural way for 90 percent of guys and the 10 percent that only care about defending and don't really give a crap. Well, you've probably already got a guaranteed contract, bro. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, boy. Well, appreciate you filling in for Carter. Hopefully, we'll get you some more shots as this goes along. Um, maybe maybe next time we talk to you, it'll be Jonathan Simmons on the Cavs. Although, Simmons did have that quote about he didn't want to join LeBron because he wanted to beat LeBron, which is just... Yeah, but now he's on the magic. Now he understands. <laughs> now, yeah. You know, that's that's fun in the offseason. And then you're winning 13 games while some DeVos lines his pockets. Um, <laughs> and all that crap goes out the window. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> life comes at you pretty fast there. And, oh, man, I... No, what'd be great is if they did do that trade and then IT like finds his form to some extent just because he's taking 40 shots a night and that just helps them get over Brooklyn. Like that, 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 that in itself would be worth it. Yeah, that Isaiah Thomas, Nick Vucevic pick and roll on offense and defense would be must, must watch TV. <laughs> God, what a sentence that is. So. <laughs> We should probably wrap it up there while while I try to digest that. So thanks, Mort, for coming on. Thank you to our listeners. Remember, uh, you can support the show by subscribing, leave a rating. Uh, reviews help on iTunes as well. Um, we we I mentioned this on Twitter. We're, I'm going to do it next week uh, when Carter's back. But uh, give us your most spicy cast take in the reviews on iTunes. 
Uh, leave a five-star review with your hottest take, and uh, we'll we'll read it out loud. I didn't even check if there was any new ones because uh, I'm just so distraught with the Kevin Love news. But uh, we thank you all. Yeah, we don't need that. We don't need that heat right now. Yeah, we don't need that right now. So um, it, it's probably best as we just approach the trade deadline. So I'll save it for then. So thanks again, Mort. Thanks to our listeners, and as always, go Cavs. We'll be right back.